What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my radio. Destined to be great, yeah. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the TLP Podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Today, it is myself, Justin B. Short, Esquire, and Dr. Steve VDG. Steve, how you doing? Doing great. It was a great time of year. Early spring is like my favorite time. Until last week, all of our kids were on soccer fields and life is just perfect. And now like soccer has been like canceled forever. But other than that, it's going pretty good. Everything was great in life until life was canceled. Part of how it goes right now, I guess. I wonder if this is old news when the podcast comes out. Yeah, we'll be over it. We'll be over coronavirus by the time this podcast hits next week. Yeah, hope so. How about you? How You've been in Mexico, right? Yeah, we were down there for nine days, which honestly, I kind of feel like was a long time, almost too long in Mexico. We went down for our 15-year anniversary. Thank you. Hold your applause. Setting records up in her. Yeah, nice. Much longer than my first three marriages went, so I'm hoping this one sticks. <laughs> we'll see. She's probably hoping it doesn't. Are you all sunburnt? Just fried? I'm peeling a little bit. Yeah. So we started off, and just for the record, I was just kidding about three previous marriages. This is actually four. We went down first half, me and my wife, and then second half, my folks. My wife wanted to go for a long time. I hate being away from the kids that long. I know some people sound stupid, even though I'm with them a lot because they're homeschooled and I work from home most of the time. I was like, I don't want to go that long without the kids. So my folks brought them down halfway through and they got their first taste of Mexico all-inclusive and OD'd on Virgin Pina Coladas for a few days. So That's like perfect, half and half. Right. Yeah. So it was a good trip. But Steve, as we're approaching the end of the first quarter of 2020, how I wanted to ask you, how is your practice doing this year? It's pretty steady with where we've been last year. Fortunately, though, we've been able to do it with a few weeks of extra days off. I don't know if it's just my practice or if it's kind of other people too, but I get like a big surge the first two or three months of the year because people get updated insurance plans and they they all run in and say, hey, everything's free now. And it's usually not, but we usually still get a nice little boost because of new insurance plans each year. So, so far, first quarter has been good. Good, Steve. Now, if you were a client, I'd be like, so Steve, how do we keep that going all year? We don't want to surge in the beginning. We want to surge every freaking month, month after month. But besides yourself, have you had any coronavirus issues or cancellations or is it affecting your practice at all yet? You know, it hasn't yet, but I think it will. They just canceled the Masters golf tournament, which is like kind of what my town thrives around. They like canceled it literally like five minutes ago. So I'm imagining there's going to be a lot of shutdowns. I've spoken with other dentists where they've like been mandatorily closed. So I think it will. I think it's going to affect everybody. But, you know, you just kind of do what's under your control. I'm sure it'll end at some point, right? Yep. It's definitely uncharted territories. I personally, and this is just my own personal opinion, I think the hysteria is well overblown. Not that it's not a serious issue, but... I don't know. I think we're taking it a bit too far. Yeah. Anyways, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about polish. And what I mean by that is the 
constant refining of your game, your systems. And our focus today is going to be on your verbiage to get the best results. And the way you get polished is by repetition with refinement. It's not good enough to just repeat the same mistakes over and over. You want to reflect to see where you need to improve, reflect on what is working well for you, and refine the areas that need it and lock in the things that are going well. So just like if you were learning to, let's say, play a song on a particular instrument, the first time you play it isn't going to be as good as the hundredth time you play it, which won't be as good as the thousandth time you play it. And although they may sound the same if you don't pay attention to where areas where you mess up or you need to get better at, it's a reflection that goes along with the practice to be able to say, this is the area that gives me trouble each time. So if I do this differently, perhaps I will get better results. Then you try that change and see if it produces a different result. If it does improve, then you refine some more and you keep moving forward. And moving on to our example at hand, I know what a lot of doctors do because I feel like I made every mistake I could learning how to build my practices. They or we go into a case presentation, no better prepared to sell their 1,000th crown than they were for their 100th crown. Or they go in no better prepared to sell their 20th Invisalign presentation than their first. They go in putting in no intentionality into how they're presenting, hoping repetition alone will cause improvement. And that's often not the case. So I have to ask, why is that? Because these conversations, like many others, are conversations we know we're going to be having thousands of times over the course of our career. But I know they're conversations very few doctors have ever really sat down for even an hour of time and written down exactly how they could best present Invisalign, how they could best present a crown for that tooth with the huge amalgam, with the big crack coming down the lingual of number three. And one of my favorite examples of preparation for conversations you know that you're going to have is Ronald Reagan, the great communicator, our 40th president, also our oldest president. When he was in a debate for re-election in 1984, he knew age was going to be a topic that was going to be brought up. He was 73. But he didn't wait knowing that it was going to come and just rely on his laurels and hope that he comes up with a good answer whenever it's presented. No. He prepared, and not even half-assed prepared. He prepared and thought of an answer that many think sealed him eventually winning the presidency. So during a debate with Walter Mondale, who was much younger at the time, it was a debate style just like we have today with the moderator asking the two nominees the questions. And the question came up to Reagan. You're already the oldest president in history. Basically asking, did Reagan think he could keep up with the demands of the post at his age? And his reply was, Mr. Truitt, I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I'm not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. And you could just tell 
He was just waiting for that conversation because he knew exactly what he was going to say. He knew it was coming and he went into it prepared. Yeah. I've seen that before. Stole the show. Yep. Now they're both so old. They're both like in their nineties. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think Reagan's probably, well, RIP, but he's probably even older than that. But I know this because I've asked this question point blank to many doctors and clients. I'd say straight up, I'm a patient who has a big leaking amalgam with a large crack coming down the lingual, just like you've seen five times this previous week. Sell me a crown. And then the hemming and hawing begins. The, uh, well, okay. Uh, in most cases, five minutes later, they get around to the point of why I should actually get a crown. But see, that's not polish. That's a JV game they're playing. And they're telling me they want to play varsity. And we all at times play with JV output, hoping for varsity results. And that's not how life works. So let's just go through an example. Steve asked me that same question that I would have just asked that doctor. I have a large leaking amalgam with a crack down the lingual three. Sell me a crown. Well, Steve, as you can see on the screen in front of you, just as my lovely hygienist pointed out a little while ago, you have a large crack coming down the back of this tooth. That crack is our warning sign that this tooth is getting weak and if left alone, will most likely end up breaking on you. We really don't want that to happen. Thankfully, this is exactly the scenario crowns were created for to cover and protect the teeth that are getting weak. And the good news is these days we can completely take care of that problem in one appointment for you and it should be as good as new. What questions do you have that I can answer for you? Nice. Nice. I want a crown now. <laughs> it reminds me of Leonardo DiCaprio, like sell me this pen. But really I'm guessing a lot of people that are listening thought, well, that was really short compared to what I say, but that's intentional, right? Right. And, you know, I'm not saying that's the only way to approach the conversation or that's the only way to say it, but this is what probably is almost exactly what I would have said. It's still locked in my memory because I did it over and over and over and over. And how long did that take me? 10, 15 seconds? Did I go into all the negative things in the world that would happen if they didn't get it done now? No. If they want to know those things, I give them the chance to ask those questions, but I'm not going to waste my precious time presenting a bunch of information they may not want or may not need. However, on the flip side, I'm prepared for their questions that could come also, because again, it's usually the same questions we get. Bottom line, you know you're going to be presented with that same metaphorical tooth over and over and over in your career. And even though you know that, how many of you have actually sat down and wrote out and refined that presentation to make sure that every word that comes out of your mouth has earned its way into that conversation to make it really polished? Yeah, great point. I agree. Dentistry definitely has some tough things about it, but it's not super complex. As in, we have, just like you said, the same questions and interactions every day. One movie I love is Groundhog's Day. And in it, Bill Murray, he has to relive the same day over and over. And at first, you know, he fights against it. He doesn't like what's happening to him. But eventually, he starts to master the day because he knows exactly what to expect. So, for example, he is able to catch a kid that's falling out of the tree at just the right time 
every time. You know, the first time he saw the kid fall out and it was tragic. But from then on, he knew right when that was going to happen. And he would catch this kid every day. And basically, through trial and error, reliving the same day over and over, he's eventually able to do and say just the right things to get what he wants from the people around him. And he maximizes that day. And we're kind of like Bill Murray in that we have the benefit of knowing what questions are going to be asked. We often know what treatment is needed before even looking into the mouth. I mean, you can see a PA in the room next door before you even enter and you know the conversation. So the opportunity for reps is there. We just need to stop being lazy and settling with what we've always done and continually refine our approach. You know, I think people say the same thing over and over, but practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So without refining, sometimes we are just entrenching ourselves in our bad habits and making them more permanent rather than improving each day. Yep. Exactly. This is a good example. I also think about how about your presentation for Invisalign for people with crowded lower interiors? You know you're going to see that situation, most of you, several times a day. How do you break the ice and present clear aligner therapy? Same scenario as above. Think to yourself, I'm a patient sitting in your chair with crowded lower interiors. How do you begin the conversation with me? Go. Do you know? Or do you have to sit and think about it? Or can you rattle it off at the drop of a hat? I'm going to go through right now two of my favorite icebreakers to begin the conversation of clear liner therapy. But I'm not going to give my entire pitch, though. I don't pull my pants on all the way down for, for free. You know what I'm saying here, Steve? Steve's like, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm doing my exam... You know, I'm going around, I start at one, I go around the 16, then I drop down to 17, go around the 32. As I round that curve at number 22 and see the extremely crowded, extremely common crowded numbers 23 through 26, I would ask the patient one of these two questions. I didn't need 15 different ways to break the ice. I didn't need five. I needed two that were efficient and work. And you could wake me out of a dead sleep at night. And said, hey, Justin, wake up. I'm a patient with crowded lower interiors that could benefit from liner therapy. What do you say? Go. And I would have been able to do it. I'm not patting myself on the back, but that was my standard for myself, and it paid off. So as I saw the crowding, it didn't matter if you were 18 or 88. It didn't matter if you showed up in uh, Lexus or you know a 1985 Ford Taurus. I would say these things. The first one, have you noticed these teeth down here becoming more crowded or crooked over time? Or I would ask, did you have braces when you were younger? And the answers to those two questions would dictate where I went from there. But my foot was already in the door without inciting pressure on the patient. Most often I'd get answers like, yes, I have noticed that. Why is that? Or is it going to continue? Or Maybe I'd get, no, I haven't really noticed that. Are they really? With the braces question, I'd often get answers like, yes, and I quit wearing my retainers and my teeth are moving again. And then I could go into what an easy fix it is to correct it right now. The point is, I knew what I was going to say. I knew my icebreakers and I knew my answers based off the, let's say, one out of five responses I would get to those questions. I didn't leave 
these conversations to chance. And as a result, my production wasn't left to chance. Neither of those questions were offensive to my patients. Never once did I get a response of, hold it there, buddy. I know what's going on here. You're trying to sell me something. So go ahead and have my records transferred to the office across the street. Never once did that happen. Right. That is one of the things that I think dentists fear most, you know, that hold us back from having a good presentation. We worry that this person is going to be offended by us telling them that they need too much or we're worried we'll offend them and make them feel like we're trying to sell them something that they don't need. Really common. I mean, most people are this way. Now, I think if you've ever felt this way to any degree, I think a good remedy to try to fix this is to is really dig deep and accept down inside that the treatment you're telling these patients they need is really going to help them. Justin, you used the crown example earlier. At least for me, you guys understand that feeling when you go to try on a crown and it just seats perfect. You know, the margins are precise. The contacts are great. It just kind of falls in. When I have that feeling, I think, man, this is perfect and this is going to last forever. That is good treatment and you're, you're helping your patient. Now, maybe I'm not as great a clinician as some out there, but I don't really have the same feeling and thought when I'm pulling off the matrix after curing a huge DOBL that has this funky interproximal contact. I'm not thinking in my mind, man, this is awesome. This is going to be solid and it's going to be clean for years. The crown and the, and the huge composite, they're just not equal treatments. So just trust that we're presenting treatment that will really help our patients because we are. And if you really believe it yourself, it'll make that conversation a lot more natural and a lot easier. If after that, you, you know, let's say you believe it deep down, but you're still worried and you don't want to overwhelm them, I would just tell them how you feel. Karen, now I don't want to overwhelm you by telling you that you need five crowns the very first time I see you, but you kind of need five crowns. Now I'm zero pressure. I just feel I want to be honest with you about what's what you have happening, what you need, and then I want to find a way to help you get what you need and want. So just be honest, open, and don't be afraid. I mean, no one's going to be offended by you being honest. Yeah, I, mean, I was just going to echo what you said there. And I think it's so underutilized or what's the word I'm looking for, underappreciated, just the leveling with the patient and just telling them like, hey, Karen, I know you don't want to hear this. I'll be honest. It's not what I want to tell you, but I have to tell you because it's my job. You've got five teeth that need to be really need treatment. And I would rather you be mad at me for telling you the truth of what I see than you end up having trouble down the road because I was too afraid to tell you. Even though I don't like to tell you, this is the truth. I'm sorry, Karen. I mean, I had tons of those conversations and I working with clients, I often revert to all you have to do is be honest. Because when you see those five crowns, we all have the devil on one shoulder and angel on the other. Devil saying, ah, oh, don't tell them that. They don't want to hear that. You're going to tick them off. They can't afford that. And the other one's saying, well, they really need it. And all you got to do is be honest. You don't have to weigh out the gray issues. And I know we've talked about that previously, but I think honesty is always the best policy. And take out of the the equation, what kind of car do they drive, how much money they have, how much insurance they have. It doesn't matter. Just be honest. So I don't want to get too far off topic, but getting back on topic. And I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast. When we moved out of our house last July, 
and I was cleaning my office, I came across several old spiral ring notebooks where I had written out all these conversations. And I would predict from experience the situations I was going to encounter in my office. And I'd write out my answer. I'd predict the rebuttal on that number three crown after I presented the crown. And they asked, well, why can't we just do another filling? And then I'd write out my answer to that because just like Reagan, I knew that question was coming. I knew it was coming and I wanted to make sure I'd write it out, go through it and refine it and get it down to like, this is what I want to say every time. Dentistry isn't the hardest profession in the world. We have patients who, for the most part, make their appointment to come back and see us in three to six months. Most other businesses would kill for that. What if every time you left Macy's, you told the salesperson, hey, I'd like to schedule an appointment to come back and shop with you again in a few months if that's all right. You kidding me? They'd kill for that. Next, for the most part, we see the same things over and over. And the teeth may be on different people, but they're the same teeth. And that's why when I started TLP several years ago, one of the main reasons was I knew the things that I would see in very successful practices, what I saw them accomplish, I knew it could be reproduced. You know, I've worked with docs from Alaska or we've worked with docs from Alaska to the tip of Florida. And I know that those docs see the same teeth, the same patients. So overwhelmingly, it's not those things that determine our ultimate success. I guarantee there are doctors killing it working three days a week in Anchorage, and there's doctors killing it working three days a week in Miami. And there are doctors struggling to pay their bills in both Anchorage and Miami. And from what I've seen, it often comes down to the effort put forth to be polished in all areas of your practice. I honestly do not think my hand skills were any better than the 20 other dentists within five miles of my practice. Humbling to say, but it's the truth. And even if they were, I'm not sure any of my patients would have known either way. So why or how did my practice do better than the other 20? And I think it was due to polish and the effort that was put in there. How did we get polished? Was it some secret only I know? Was it just the luck of the draw that my team kicked butt? No. It was the work put in to get that way that any of you, any of us can do. And I guarantee, and I'm not patting myself on the back, that's not why I did it. But I guarantee if I went around and interviewed the 20 other dentists and asked them, hey, if you went through a phase where you had four to six hour trainings with your team each and every single week for six months, they'd say no. Have you ever sat down and actually written down or reflected or were really intentional about your verbiage in conversations with patients? Most of them would say no. And again, I don't want you to miss the point. When I took over my second practice, it was losing money hand over fist. We had to take drastic measures to turn the ship around. I don't think every practice needs four to six hours of training a week, but some do. You know, And I bet there's a lot that need four hours a month. But are you even doing that? Yeah. Just in case our listeners don't miss that, you did four to six hours of training every week for six months in your second practice. Now, for some dentists out there, leading a staff in you know that commitment amount of training might seem daunting or uncomfortable, even if it isn't necessarily four hours you know, or something less routinely. But how would you recommend they begin that, that path? Good question, because I know some of you 
or like, Justin, I'm willing to do it, man. You're preaching to the choir here. Get off my back. But where do I begin? Let's start simple. I don't think taking an hour a week for the next four weeks, like marking off that hour, saying, hey, I'm going into this quiet office and I'm going to really go through and audit the situations I see over and over and write down what I'm going to say to my patients. Look over that and then refine it again and make it better. I don't think that's going to hurt anybody. Even if you're already good, that's still going to only help you. For example, you know, you see teeth with big wear facets. What do you say to that patient and present a night guard? You see class five lesions across the premolars. What are you going to say? You see chips and exposed dentin across the interiors. What do you say? Write it down. Those are the kinds of things you should be able to rattle off in your sleep and they should be presented in the best way possible. For me, it's just the way I was, what worked for me, it was writing it down. And then I would change the words around, cutting some crap out and then rewriting it until I was putting my best foot forward across the board. And that's what allowed me to be very productive and efficient. That's how people ask, how do we produce 13,000 plus every single day? This is one of the big reasons we were able to do it. Another reason, once I knew how I wanted to word and present things or how I wanted things presented, then I presented that to my team. So they could do it just as well as I could. If it was working really well when I increased my polish, how well would it work if it was across the board with my entire team and they were all polished? What if I was able to go to my hygienist house, wake her up in the middle of the night from a dead sleep and say, hey, I'm a patient with a large amalgam on number three with cracking down the lingual. What do you say? And she was able to rattle it off. How good would my practice be doing that? And, you know, it's... No secret, it's no magic, it's just hard work and effort. Then at times, don't get me wrong, putting in the effort sucks at times. It's not fun, it's not easy. But once you've got it down, man, let the good times roll. You're able to reap the rewards for a much longer period of time than the time you have to put into it. You know, if you do it well from the beginning and thoroughly, and that was the kind of the mindset that I went into when I took over my second practice was, yeah, this is going to be hard work for right now, but man, if it pays off like I expected to, life's going to be really good for the foreseeable future. And it was. And like I said, I get asked, how was I able to take a week off every five to six weeks and not have my production tank? Because my team could present and sell dentistry just as good as I could. You know, when I wasn't there, they were still seeing patients. We wouldn't skip a beat. And it wasn't by chance. It was by being intentional. So those of you who are content playing JV ball, this podcast wasn't for you. This podcast is for those who want to maximize the type of life dentistry is able to provide. And the life it can provide is pretty dang incredible. But you have to want it. If you want it bad enough, you can have it, I promise. Also, that's what we're here for. For those of you who would like someone to walk side by side with you to make sure you are getting better, that's what we do. Help get you to the varsity squad out of JV ball, as you say. Justin, that was a good one. I liked it. Thanks, man. Everybody, I hope I hope you guys got some good value and content out of that today. As always, if you have any questions, just email Justin, Derek, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. And if you're getting value from podcasts like this, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a review for us on iTunes and maybe share with a friend. 
And let's be honest, if you're not getting a lot of value, we would encourage you to spend your time somewhere else where you are, because that's where we're about. Hopefully you are. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Until next week. Peace. Listen to my fate, you're destined to be great.